0: Turn with me, please, to John's Gospel again, chapter 19. We'll lift a few verses out. This is part three of a series, and I apologize, you'll not be able to know everything that we've spoken of. We'll do a brief rundown for you. But this is part three of a three-dimensional look at the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, And brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about an hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. And in the garden a new sepulcher wherein never man yet led. There led they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day. For the sepulchre was was nigh at hand. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and saith the stone taken away from the sepulchre. And she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have led him. Now keep your Bibles open, we will be referring to this, but us by in a word of prayer. Father, we ask you now to settle us in your presence, and we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time we have had of songs and, and of worship and singing, singing your praises, Lord, and lifting up the name of Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness that you're here, and we thank you, Lord, you're here to bless, you're here to anoint, you're here to touch We believe, Lord, that there's healing in your presence. We believe, Lord, there's salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, have your way. Let your spirit move from seat to seat. Let your spirit touch hearts and minds and lives and change circumstances. For as our faces differ, Lord, so do our needs. But you know every one of them. And so we bring them before you and we ask you, Lord, to meet us all at that point. Glorify your name, Father. Hide this man and let your word alone be heard. Let your son alone be seen. And hide this man, Lord, and hide his voice. And let the voice of God speak to hearts tonight. And hide my words, Lord, and let your word alone be found in every heart in this place tonight. Glorify your own precious name, we ask it, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. A three-dimensional look at the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, this is our third part of this short series. We have looked at how in our reading three times it mentions the body of Jesus. Three times it mentions the body of Jesus and in chapter 20 it mentions the body of Jesus a fourth time but that is when he is risen from the dead. They look for the body of Jesus and it is not found in the tomb he is not here he is risen that the angels told the disciples so three times to do with his death and his burial and also his resurrection we will read about the body of Jesus now we looked at the number three meaning witness but it meant so much more The number three as we know it's more than the two dimensional religion that many have. The length of something and the breadth of something multiplied together is the surface of something and that is the surface area. But three dimensional, three dimensions of the word, the number three means so much more it gives depth to the word. In other words, the third dimension of the word is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It is when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, when the Holy Spirit is talking to us and showing us revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and things out of the word of God to inscribe them in our hearts, to imprint them upon our mind, to emblazon them upon our souls, that you and I would really get to grips with it, that you and I would feel the very depth of what it means. So the number three as we have said. It means so much more. That's why we have called it the three dimensional look at the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three times it mentions the body of Jesus. Three days he is in the tomb. There are three ceilings as it were off the tomb. We'll look at that in a moment. He is raised on the third day and we're told that three is to take a deeper look. So let's take another look. I'm sorry I can't go into that much more at the moment. We have looked at how sin ruled and reigned as a great monarch and everyone who is uh, as a human being who is from the lineage of Adam, all of us have come under the, the very germs of Adam. We have sin In our mortal members we have death in our bodies and sin reigns as a monarch. According to Romans 5 and verse 21 it says sin hath reigned unto death. Sin hath reigned unto death and the word for reigned is the word basileu which means sin becomes personified in our depraved natures. Sin becomes personified as a king which rules over every man and woman. Sin becomes a monarch that rules in our lives when we think we're free to do what we want. Yet sin is overruling our life. And those people who think by going out into the clubs and doing what they do and they're free and you Christians can do nothing. I want to let you know that we are freer than you because we have the freedom that is in Christ of the Holy Ghost and they are slaves to sin. They have a king and a monarch that brings them into the realm or the sphere of death. In other words, they are being destroyed. And they are being held back by their own sin the devil coming, the devil prompting, the devil taking them at his will, and this great monarch ruling over the lives and the very families of the human race. Notice what it says in Romans five twenty one sinners reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. Grace is that which we do not deserve. Grace is the unmerited favor. In other words, you and I, because we're in our bodies, we are failing every day. But the grace of God spurs us on, abounds over our sin. For Christ's blood has paid the fullness of the price. And that grace that's on our lives every day, it spurs us on to go on in righteousness. It empowers us to live right It empowers us to live before God. It empowers us to do what's right before God. And of course, we are told that even so, might grace reign. The word reign, it means the same basilio. Grace becomes our king. Grace becomes a monarch. Grace overrules your failures. Grace overrules your faults. Grace overrules the times you fall and the times you falter. Grace picks you up again. That when you fall, you don't fall off the rock. You fall upon the rock and Christ the rock will lift you up again. That is, grace might reign as a king. Grace might reign as the monarch in our lives, reigning over ourselves reigning over our lives, reigning over sin in our life, reigning over all things that are even against God, for grace will bring us into the right way. Grace is not a license to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abide? God forbid, said the apostle, or in other words it says, never let it be so said that you would sin with importunity. Never let it be said that you would walk in an open course of sin thinking that you're right before God and thinking you can live as you want and thinking you'll get away with it because even as a believer many say we can live like this and it's all to do with grace. Friend, grace empowers you not to sin. Grace shows you the love of God and you love him in return and because you love him you keep his commandments. Here we have, here we have grace reigning as a monarch unto righteous, and through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We looked at this power of death through the power of the cross. To Christ it was an implement of destruction and torture. But for you and I, the cross and the power of Christ's death, it means that you and I will live. It means that you and I will be forgiven. And because of his great resurrection, you and I are justified in the sight of Almighty God. You and I are just as if we had never sinned when we stand before God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of Christ you stand in your sin. Outside of Christ you are lost. Outside of Christ you are on the broad road to destruction. You are destined for hell. But in Christ we are heaven bound. We are going for the glory of the kingdom. Christ is our king. He is ruling and reigning in our lives. And he is bringing us, even this morning as we heard, onto eternal glory. Here we have... This power of death, it says, the body of Jesus. That body which held the fullness of the Godhead was lifeless. That body that walked around and doing good was dead. The body of Jesus was taken by man's hands and wound in cloth and placed In a tomb. Last week we looked at how it was placed in the sepulcher. And it lay for three days. This was not a surface burial. This was not an easy escapism. This was not a flight of fancy nor trickery. Because Christ died. He was laid in a tomb. We want to look now at the ceiling of the tomb. The power that held Jesus. In the tomb. If you look with me, if you have your Bible or you can just listen, in Matthew chapter 27 and verses 65 and 66, we will notice the threefold strength of the tomb. First of all, there was a great stone. Secondly, there was a seal. And thirdly, there was a set watch, a stone. A seal and a set watch. Pilate saith unto them. Ye have your watch. Your guard of soldiers. Go your way. And make it as sure as you can. That is the tomb. So they went and made the sepulcher sure. We know they put the seal upon it. So we have a stone. A seal and a set watch. Here's the thing friend. People tend to live life. With a two-dimensional, or in other words, a length, time, breadth, surface approach to their own mortality. And let me say it again. There's people and they live with the, 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 the length and the breadth like the flatness of a table. The length and the breadth, that's how deep they are. According to their own mortality, they think they're going to live forever. It always happens to the man down the road or the woman up the street or someone else we know or even another member of our family. But to me, I am immortal. That's surface. That's not real. There's no depth in that. The reality is that should Jesus tarry, you and I, every single one of us will go the same way. There is a surface approach to their own mortality. But the effects of it has, it has to the human mind, to the human heart and to the human psyche. When a serious illness or death wraps our own front door. It brings a third dimension to it. It brings the third dimension where you realize just how close it really is. You realize just how real it is. You realise one day it's for you and me. Now that's the third dimension. I think you've caught it. The third dimension comes to our own door and the finality of it for those who are left behind, the loved ones who are here and watched other loved ones go, the depth of it, the solidity of it, the strength of it. It rules as a great monarch and king over the human race. But think about this. Think about this, friend. Death and the grave. Death and the grave came to the very gates of heaven. Death on the grave wrapped God's own front door. God himself in the person of his son the Lord Jesus Christ died. As it says in Hebrews 2 and verse 9 that he would taste death for every man. In other words it came to God's heaven and came to God's own front door. In the sense that it came to his only begotten son. The beloved the apple of his eye and the darling of his bosom. And it took his son. yea, but his son allowed himself to die. God tasted death for you. God tasted death for me. His son, the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. The body of Jesus. Limp and lifeless. Here was the life giver. Now he was dead. And God tasted death for you and I. The third dimension finally would be real to everyone. Everyone. It will hit home and then even in this day in our reading it hit home to the disciples. As I said before from John chapter 19 and verse 42. It says there led they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulchre was nigh at hand. Notice what chapter 20 and verse 1 says. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. What happened? Ask the Holy Ghost, for, that, for that's the third dimension. Lord, what happened? They laid him in a tomb. Then suddenly we jumped three days in a flash. Do you know, the world, the, the world had no hope of salvation. You and I would have no hope of salvation if Christ had a stare in a tomb. Three days his body lay in the tomb. The world was looking, the disciples were afraid. They were running here and there, locking themselves in rooms and in houses. Two were on their way down the road to a mess, even when Christ arrested them on that road and talked to them. His body lay for three days, and where it says in your Bible and mine, chapter 20, that's three days have passed. Day one, the body's in the tomb and you know, even when, when he was with me, Peter. Even when he was in Pilate's judgment hall at the uh, the Gabbatha judgment seat. At least he was there. We've seen him. At least when he even hung upon the cross, I was able to see him and look upon him. He was still, as it were, here. But now he's dead and he's in the tomb. Day two passes. He really is dead, isn't he? Our hopes are lost. And all is gone. And now we're afraid. He's really dead. Starts to really settle into them. Third day. Early in the morning. Mary Magdalene comes. It's the first day of the week. And she comes to the tomb to anoint his body but who would roll away the stone the stone was on an incline it was a big stone unable for man to roll back up on their own they would have taken a lot of work to get it up there it could roll down into place but it hadn't rolled up how could this woman roll away the stone was it faith in Mary Magdalene's heart that says the love I have for him I know he may have been dead but I know I know that he will rise again. But yet when she gets there, she's astonished. Where have you let him? She hadn't even the faith to say, Lord, where's my Lord? What, what, What have you done with him? She hadn't the faith to say, Lord, I know you've risen from the grave. She says to the angels, where have you put my Lord? And I will go and get him. See, the reality, the depth of Christ died and was laid in a tomb was real. There was a stone, there was a seal, and there was a watch. The disciples are fleeing all over the place. and now I want to jump forward and look to a three-dimensional look of his resurrection. This is of the utmost importance. So stay with me. The body of Jesus was raised again on the third day. On the third day. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, the master says himself. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I listen fellas you know the story of Jonah swallowed by a whale and he goes down to the depths of the sea and he even says out of the valley of hell cried I and the Lord heard me we know that story Lord we know it well as he was three days and three nights in the heart or the valley of the whale so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth they weren't taking it in you see they hadn't uh, they, they didn't have that spiritual, three-dimensional look at it. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 31 it says of the Lord Jesus, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Christ taught them this. Yet we're told in the Gospels that the disciples didn't know it. How many times does man have to hear the word of God before they believe it? How many times does God have to speak to us until we take it on board? How many times do we have to preach the message until the word of God finds the lodging place in the heart of every man and woman and bears fruit in their life as it takes root unto them? How many times these disciples heard I am going to be killed and I am going to die and be buried in three days. I will rise again. We're told they did not know. You know you can hear without hearing. You can hear without hearing. Christ would enter that which enters us. Let me say it again. I want you to get it. Christ would enter that which enters us. Death. Christ entered right into death. Right into the heart of the earth. That which enters us. Christ defeated that which defeats us. Christ defeated death. Because he rose again on the third day. And Christ would arise as king over that which rules over us our own sin for when he rose we are justified in the sight of almighty God just as if we had never sinned the third day shows depth, strength the grip, the power, the brevity the finality of death the third day resurrection shows us the strength, the power The love, the grace, the compassion and the finality, the depth of our God, our Lord, our Savior and our Redeemer shows us the power of God for you and I. Shows you how much he loves you. That he would enter into death. And let's be honest with ourselves. You be honest with yourself. If you could escape it, you would And on the day when we lie in that bed and the doctor says today's the day or this week's this week, you will do anything, anything to escape this appointment. But we can't. And yet he who alone hath immortality, who need not have died, came voluntarily i um, willfully and fully entered into the realms and the sphere of death for you and me. He done it for you and me. And men tend, tend to think I'm not that bad and God will let me into the kingdom. God will let me into heaven. I'm a nice person, i done good deeds and yet Christ had to die. How insulting is man's pride. How insulting is man in the face of Almighty God to think, Lord, your sacrifice, your son is never enough. I'll do it myself, Lord. My son died for you. Without accepting Christ, no man shall see God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 the Apostle Paul says these marvelous words that I might know him now there's a sermon in itself that I might know him do you know him? do you know him? not do you go to church do you know him? Paul says oh that I might know him this is the apostles' saying this. See you can never get enough of Jesus. You can never get enough of him. You can never have enough of the presence of the Lord in your life. You can never get enough of the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Paul says that I might know him on the power of his resurrection. I have something to tell you, believer. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Lives in you. Paul says that I might know him and the power, the word power is dunamis in the Greek. The word dunamis is where we get dynamite. That I might know Jesus. And oh, his dynamic, his dynamite power of his resurrection. The idea of this dunamis means wonder working power. Miracle working power. Supernatural, wonderful, miracle working power. Paul says, oh that I would know it. And he lives inside you tonight. Do you not know it? Should you and I go to the grave and Christ should tarry this same wonder-working dynamite miracle power will raise us from the dust of the earth. Will raise us from the grave when Christ returns. John 19 We have... In the same place that is. The Lord Jesus was crucified. Verse 41. We have a new sepulcher in the same place. And the resurrection happened obviously at the sepulcher in the same place. Here is again the three dimensions of it. That the Holy Ghost is saying look here's the cross. Here's the burial. Or here's the death. The burial and the resurrection. Here is what brings us salvation and justification and nothing else. I want to say something, I said it the other week but I want to make it clear Christ could have hung on that cross for a thousand years he gave his life freely he gave himself freely no one took his life from him he had the power to lay down his life and he had the power to take it again. He knew on the third day he would raise from the dead. That wonder dynamite power. Notice he was crucified. The sepulcher was there and the resurrection was there. Verse 41. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher were in, never man yet led. So here we have in the same place. Notice the length they went to destroy him. The Crow Cross. Notice the breadth of things. They went to forget him. They put him in a, a tomb. The Jews cried, Take him down from the cross, for this day it's a high Sabbath day in other words. Get him out of my sight. You know what they used to do they used to leave them on the cross that passers-by would look and see the criminal the transgressor the, the one who's called the, the, the accursed and the hung that was on the tree cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree and everyone would have seen it on the way into Jerusalem oh that's why the old Solomon wrote with a, with a prophetic tone in Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 12 Is it nothing to you, all ye who pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow, like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith Yahweh hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. All going with their little lambs to slay the lambs at the temple. To try and appease God. And it was all defunct. It was all finished. It was no more. For Christ the Lamb of God. Had taken away the sin of the world. They put him in a, in a tomb. Stone. Sealed it. And they sat a watch. The length and the breadth of it. But here's the depth of it for our redemption, salvation and justification and our forgiveness it says that he was raised in power it's the Holy Ghost depth the people here witnessed that Jesus was more than a prophet, more than a preacher, more than a teacher more than a spiritual guru or a good man or even a miracle worker that there is more to Christ than meets the eye And they witnessed the deity. They witnessed the depth of God. They witnessed that God was veiled in humanity. And the body of Jesus that they took down from the cross and wound in linen cloth and laid it in a tomb, walked out of the tomb three days later. Should have shouted a hallelujah there. Because I'm going to jump over this pulpit. 2nd Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 says for though he was crucified through weakness that's the flesh yet he liveth by the power of God yet he liveth by the dunamis the dynamite. The supernatural, wonder, working, miracle power of Almighty God. raised them from the dead. And again, you and I will rise to meet him also. He is called the firstborn among many brethren in Romans 8 and verse 29. In 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 and 21 it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, that's by Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You see, if Christ is not risen from the dead, if Christ be not risen bodily from the dead, then you and I are still in our sin. You and I are all men most miserable. We might as well go home, for we're going to die, and either there's a heaven or not, and a hell or not, and we're either going to go to heaven or hell just by, by our own methods, works, or deeds. But Christ is risen from the dead. We're not in our sin, for He has paid it all. Living, He loved me. Dying, He saved me. Buried, He carried my sins far away. Rising, He justified freely forever. One day, He's coming. Oh, glorious day. Hallelujah. I'm going to close. Thank you for your attention. I'll do my best to keep you awake in here, don't I? So now it says he's the first fruits of them that slept or died. Now hold on a wee minute. What about Lazarus was raised from the dead? What about the widow of Nain, her son? Jesus touched the coffin or the bear and the man raised from the dead. Or what about Jairus's daughter who he took by the hand, and she came back from the dead? Or what about those who were resurrected after he died on the cross in Matthew 27? They all died. They all died. They were raised from the dead. How is Christ the first fruits of them that slept? Let me tell you it's as simple as this. Lazarus, the widow of Nain's son, Jairus' daughter, and those who were resurrected uh, uh, not only even before the cross in the Old Testament, and those who were resurrected after Christ died on the cross and showed themselves in Jerusalem, Every one of them may have been resurrected from the dead, but they all died again. Now listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 1 and 18. Jesus saith to John, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. In other words, Jesus rose from the dead to die no more. You know why? Because when he comes back, those who have died in Christ and those of us who are alive in Christ, we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. There will be a meeting in the air. There's going to be a great resurrection of the dead. That's why Christ was raised from the dead. Let me finish. Give me another five minutes. We're closing. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read these to you. 1 Corinthians 15, please. Verse 51, Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Something that was hidden in God from before the foundation of the world. Something that was in the heart, the will, and the mind of God. That which was with the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God before the very words were formed. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a saviour in heaven. And he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. Notice, there'll be Christians that are alive when He returns, and those who have died in Christ when He returns. We might not all sleep, for we might be alive when He returns, but one thing is, we'll all be changed. We will be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Now, listen. It didn't say you'll be raptured in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It says we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This mortal shall put on immortality. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and shall, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now notice, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Notice, you're victorious in Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your patience. Verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or have died, that you sorrow not even, which of all, even as others which have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. I'm going to see my loved ones who died in Christ. And so will you. Will God bring with him. For this we say unto you. In the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice this. It mentions sleep, sleep, sleep. But it means death, death, death. Because death to you and I is like death to the disciples. When they laid the body of Jesus in the tomb. He was gone. There's no hope left. And when you lay your loved one in the ground or in the grave. They're gone. There's no hope left. But in Christ there's hope. We're going to see them again. There's going to be a great meeting in the air. They're catching and the translation, a way of the saints, changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And because He lives, we shall live also. Oh, Thomas Watson, I finish with this. Thomas Watson says, "Oh, I precious." is the dust of the believer. Though the world mind it not, yet it is precious to God. The husbandman has some corn in his barn, and he has other corn in the ground. And the corn that is in the ground is as precious to him as that which is in the barn. <laughs> and there's corn in the ground, some of our loved ones. If your loved one died in Christ and you're outside of Christ, you'll be raised in a second resurrection, not in theirs. Think of the early Christians who were eaten by animals, became cat food. Think about it. Without being graphic, the animals defecated the Christians on the ground after it went through their system. They were burned at the stake, were used as human torches. They were crushed to powder, they were separated and cut to bits and sent to different parts of their countries. Think about this, think about the Reformation and those who died at the fires of Smithfield or those who were drowned at sea or drowned in the rivers and became fish food. And think about it, they've become dust. Their DNA floats somewhere around the earth, lying whether it's at the bottom of the sea or at the bottom of the ground or whether it's somewhere else on a mountain top. But God knows every single strand of their DNA every particle of dust and when Christ returns he will call them by their name and they shall come together and rise to meet the Lord in the air. How does he do it? I don't know. But I know he will. Time's gone. Time's gone. Boy, it's warm in here. Or is it just me? the Lord, it's God good isn't he does that not make you rejoice Christian does that not make your heart jump for joy, does that not make you say oh even so come Lord Jesus does that not make you thrilled to your very soul does it not make your socks nearly pop off it does for me it was all spiritual till I went to my socks wasn't it (laughs) <laughs> I said to someone the other day <laughs> I said it a couple of times but this person says I said oh we nearly jumped over that pulpit and they said well we should hurry up and do it <laughs> Paul your stuff's here I nearly got trampled us tonight <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord thank you for coming tonight thank you for your attention oh I sense the Lord he's just here he's just working in hearts he's speaking to us Oh, he's a blessed Lord. We love you, Lord. Paul, come up and sing another piece.